1: celebrate
2: 20 minutes a day 365 days a year
0: this is the pack a day podcast
3: what is up cheese heads welcome back to another edition of the pack a day podcast I am your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. And I am joined again today. Ross, it's been like a month since we've been on together. Um, But my co-host, Ross Uglum, find him on Twitter, at Ross Uglum. Ross, how the heck are you, man?
4: I'm good. Yeah, it's been uh, some interesting times. I think you had a solo show, and then I think Jimmy Christensen and I uh, put together some stuff, I believe. So, yeah, uh, it's been... It's been a minute, but feeling uh, feeling great, feeling excited to be this close to live
3: NFL football. Dude, yeah, and it it doesn't feel right. I mean, it, it does, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's here. It just feels so weird. I was thinking about this today, just thinking about the draft class and how, like, we haven't seen these guys play at all in Packers uniforms, like nada. You know, and some of them we're not going to get to see until hopefully next year. Like, think about Jordan Love. You know, you spend a first-round draft pick on a quarterback, and we're not going to get to see this dude throw a pass in Green Bay this season. Like, there's no chance. With all the reports of Tim Boyle playing like he has, he's clearly their number two. If all things go according to plan, Jordan Love, is not going to take a snap in Green Bay this year and we're not going to get to really see him or form re- any real opinions on him until next year. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, but that is that is where we're at. That is 2020 and uh, that's just kind of how it is. So um, I actually, two episodes ago, I had our, our guy Kent Swanson on and he was talking about Jordan Love and I was trying to give him, I was trying to get him to give the Jordan Love to Patrick Mahomes comp, but couldn't quite get there, but he was bummed you weren't on. Um, But today, Ross, comparing Jordan Love to Patrick Mahomes is an absolutely nuclear take. I get that. So what we're going to do today, Ross, is fire off some of our very own uh, nuclear takes in regards to the Packers wide receiving core. And I think... This is probably one of the most discussed positions, you know, this offseason. Obviously, going back to the draft, they didn't take anyone. Um, Then Alan Lazard, was people kind of got in his corner. And then um, he's kind of had just not not a, from all things considered, not a stellar camp, but not a bad camp either. And MVS now is kind of the guy that, like, we're supposed to be putting our eggs in that basket. So um, we have some takes. We have some takes. And, Ross, I want to give you the floor first. Um, and I want to hear what is your most nuclear wide receiver take for the Green Bay Packers in the 2020-2021 NFL season?
4: I don't know how nuclear it is, but I feel pretty strongly that um, that MBS is going to come in second on the team in receiving. I, and by receiving, of course, I mean yards. Um, maybe that's not an of course, but that that is what I mean. I don't mean... Um, I, I don't mean like catches or touchdowns or fantasy points, certainly anything like that. Uh, I specifically mean yards, and the reason that I say yards is because uh, I think you know he's he has that ability to go deep in a way that really nobody else. Uh, I I think really on the team does, uh, even Adams. And, of course, I think we all remember the bomb, you know, that he caught uh, against the Niners over Richard Sherman. And he certainly has, you know, the one up the sideline against the Seahawks. Like, he has long touchdowns in his career, sure. But he's also not, like, a nuclear burner. And and I think we can all kind of say that and understand that without feel like we're slighting Devonta Adams, he has the ability to affect the game downfield, but he's not even like as much of a bomber as Nelson and Jennings were. He's working over routes. He's working deep comebacks. He's working lays outs. I mean, this is your, he's like kind of a Keenan Allen. I mean, he's there to carve you up, not
3: necessarily run by you. And I don't think people necessarily give MBS the credit that he deserves for the type of freak show athlete that he is. I mean, Packers fans have been clamoring and wanting a, a speed guy. You know, back to the Jeff Janis days. Truth be told, and MVS is really that guy. You know, he he absolutely is, and he can show, and he has shown that ability to do that. It's just the consistency, and I think that's what we're what we're all waiting and hoping for. But Ross, where do you think then, if you if you think he's going to be the number two guy as far as yards receiving for this team, do you think he eclipses 1,000 receiving yards this year?
4: Oh, I, I don't know
3: about that. Um, you know, 1, does, 000... does he need to? Does he need to? No,
4: no. It's it's honestly, I was just gonna let you know, like it's been a long time. Uh, to be honest with you, it's been a long time for uh, for a Packers receiver to then for the number two guy to even get to eight hundred. Uh, it, it really has. I mean. Uh, it's It's been a while since a Packers receiver got to 800 yards, much less, you know, anything uh, a- a- anything resembling a second 1,000-yard receiver. In fact, I mean, to be honest, like, Devontae Adams doesn't have that many 1,000-yard seasons to his name. Uh, he's got, like, I think a 999 yard season and a 996 yard season or some insane uh, number like
3: that. Yeah, I think he's got one. You know, which is unbelievable. And I think when you look at the way this this Packers offense is trending, they they don't they don't need a number 2 guy. I think the last time it happened um was when Jordy and Randall did it. And I think the time before that was like Donald Driver and Javon Walker in 2004 cause I, oddly enough I was looking up Javon Walker highlights today that dude was good um, but,
2: <laughs> but, that, but that's, uh, that's oh, I like dude,
3: that, are you kidding me how good that guy was though oh I tweeted today like it just makes me sad how that all played out because watch go Ross go back and watch him in 2004 like the dude was ahead of his time you talk about freak show athletes putting it all together man he was he was that dude and um, but anyways, MVS. Okay, so that's that's your nuclear take on MVS. It's not that nuclear. I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, not putting yourself out there that much, Ross.
4: Well, uh, I will yeah. Be honest. I, I mean, I understand that, but I think you know, like, folks really were kind of ready to anoint Alan Lazard wide receiver two, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not all bent out of shape about that either. But folks are re- ready to anoint Lazard and everyone's kind of talking point because it's kind of like how in college football the backup quarterback's the the most popular guy in the world uh it's kind of like that in the sense of the guy you haven't seen is always the answer to the problems the guy you haven't seen in a while one guy that comes to mind for me was like for it seemed like an entire year mike neal was going to be the answer to everything that the, that that uh, all, all the woes that ailed the Packers as far as uh, a pa- the pass rush was concerned, and it was really just because like we hadn't seen Mike Neal was still un you know untapped potential. We didn't we hadn't seen Mike Neal uh, yet really, and so that's kind of in my opinion where we're at with with um, EQ EQ is. He's the untapped potential now. He's the guy we haven't seen in a while. He's the rock star uh, that can fix everything that ails him. And it's it's just kind of because, like, they're so angry with the current guys on the roster that he has to be better than them. Does he actually have
3: to be better than them? No.
4: <laughs> he doesn't right. have to be. And
3: EQ is a guy, like, I've stand for EQ m- many a time because I was so high on him coming out of Notre Dame. And he's got every tool in his toolbox. He absolutely does. But if you remember back to last year's camp, he like he got hurt and they put him on, you know, they put him on IR. But there was a good chance he wasn't going to make the team last year. He was outplayed by guys like Darius Shepard and guys like Alan Lazard, and there was a very real possibility that he would he would have not been on last year's roster. Um, so I did you know, and I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anyone, um, because you go back and look at some of the stuff from his rookie year and he does do some really nice stuff, some stuff you really like, uh, but you haven't heard his name all that often throughout camp. And and maybe that's because he's been so good that they don't want us to know that he's going to light the league on fire this year. I doubt it. (laughs) I highly doubt it. But yeah, like to, to your point, that's, that's exactly right. And We want those guys to be something that they never really were and probably never really will be. And so with EQ, that's what that is interesting about him. And, And I think MVS kind of suffered some of the Devontae Adams second year treatment as well, where we are so, so quick to give up on the development of some of these wide receivers. And MVS is, he is your prototypical lottery ticket type pick that you take on a day three a guy that didn't really put it all together at South Florida, um, had some nice seasons, was kind of a home run hitter, still is, um, but has plenty of tools. And from all things that I'm hearing, he's he's really honed in on his route running ability, and he's really just been able to put days together that have been good. So um, I don't think that's that crazy of a take to say that MVS is going to be that guy because he looked like, you know, for half the season last year, Ross, it looked like he was that guy. Um, there was a point in the time last year where, I believe in the first, like, seven weeks, he had, like, seven or eight plays of 40-plus yards, um, which was leading the league by a mile. You know, then he got hurt, and the rest, you know, we know well enough the rest. Then guys like Alan Lazard stepped up, Um, but it's interesting, and speaking of guys stepping up, and I've mentioned him already, and this is going to sound like a homer-type pick, and you'll get it, because you're a North Dakota State guy as well, but... Every time I check my Twitter timeline, Darius Shepard's name is showing up, and it's it it, it appears that he's working with a lot a lot with Tim Boyle, um, which would be a good sign. It means he's higher up on the depth chart. But I really feel like Shep is gonna, Darius Shepard is going to make the team this year. You know, last year I think he made the team because um, of his special his special teams ability. This year, I think he's going to make the team just outright as a receiver. And when you look at the way this team is built, you got guys like Reggie Bagletron, who Bagleton, who who really made a lot of noise the first couple of days of camp, and I haven't really heard much since. Um, and I think it's going to come down to between like Shep, Bagleton, and and EQ. And I just feel like they really, really like Darius Shepard. And the and I'll tell you why is because after his disastrous game in Detroit last year. They could have just cut ties with him altogether, just sent him on his way. And you've seen you've seen not as bad of performances get that type of treatment. And the fact that Shepard ended up on the practice squad last year and has carried it over into camp this year and has continued to to just hone in on his craft. I really like him as an option in Green Bay and I think he does, you know, outside of a guy like Swerven Urban I think Shep is probably the next in line as as the type of guy that you know you can put in motion. That if you get him in space, he can create a little bit. Um, so I'm excited about that. I think he's at least going to be on the practice squad this year. Um, but Ross, what what have been your impressions? I guess with Shep, and I know you haven't gotten to talk to him this off season. Um, but I know you've been following him closely as well. Yeah,
4: he's just he's such a hard worker. Uh, so so smart. So football savvy, honestly, too. Um, he's just, he's, he's going to, you know, that was one thing that he and I talked about last year. Is—is is he, He's going to make them cut him, you know. He's going to make it so difficult, and, like, those guys are going to have to just grind over over cutting him. And he's done it again, truthfully. I mean, he has. He's done it again. Um, he, he is m- making the idea of cutting him just gross for them. And and, uh, that goes, you know, into this entire off season of consistent, uh, you know, consistent, consistent inspiration, the ability to make catches in traffic, um, everything that he showed, you know, and and, and that was kind of, uh, that was kind of his calling card last year. Was just dominating the, uh, honestly, dominating the preseason and dominating camp. Now, there's no preseason, uh, this year, but again, like just consistently making it very, very, very hard to, to cut him. And, and that's what I think he's done again this offseason. I, I just, I, it's interesting to me how they might weigh it, you know, um, and by it, I mean, are they – where do they weigh his poor performance in the regular season against the consistent ability of his to practice well, to training camp well, to preseason well? And, and you know, my hope as somebody who's, you know, honestly a little personally invested in, in, in Darius's success, he's uh, been a great kid since he arrived in Fargo and, and somebody that I'm absolutely rooting for, uh, I, I just – I think that it would have been absurd to end a kid's career, not just as an undrafted free agent, an undrafted tryout free agent, who had who had a bad game, and was it bad? Yeah, it was bad. It was not just bad. In fact, it was awful. But again, like you, he, he's a tryout, true rookie, and I think it would be incredibly. Jumpy of them to just be like, yeah, this kid that showed all of this in camp and made plays in preseason. By the way, made plays in preseason with his career on the line. Like if you think, oh, the lights got bright for him, buddy, the lights were bright in in the tryout when he was the only player selected. The lights were bright in camp when he was the the last guy on the roster, and the lights were bright in the preseason when he was absolutely fighting for his career. If you, you know, these were just unfortunate mental mistakes and they were magnified.
3: And there's something that, that I think needs to be pointed out as well. And looking at it through the lens of a, a coach, um, you know, the coaches on this staff and I think he makes the team, but I think if he doesn't make the team, I think he is absolutely a candidate for the practice squad because of everything that you just mentioned. And when you're building a room, of athletes, you want those guys in the room. The guys that are analytical, the guys that have it between the ears, um, that can that know how to watch film, that know how to prepare. Um, there's something valuable about those guys. And I, I remember back to, and this isn't a North Dakota State podcast, but I remember back to listening to, um, I think it was Dane Brugler talking about Easton Stick, which is you know oddly enough was Darius Shepherd's college um, quarterback who we worked out with this off season. Um, but Dane talked about NFL teams are going to fall in love with a lot of things with Easton Stick, but number one is going to be the fact that they want him in their quarterback room um, just because he's such a smart football player. Darius Shepard is that type of guy that you want him in your uh, your wide receiver room to help these guys out. And let me ask you this too, Ross. Like Outside of obviously Devontae Adams, MVS, and I'd say Alan Lazard are – are locks to make this team at wide receiver. That's three. Would you be confident in saying this person or this person on this roster is absolutely a lock to make it at wide receiver after those three guys?
4: No, and and honestly too, like I'm i am i gonna catch so much help for this, but I say it all the time. I'm I'm ready to be done with the Jake Kumaro thing. Like I'm I get it, Whitewater, Jesus, all that, but the guy's like twenty nine. I mean we've seen what this young man can do. And the upside is like number four wide receiver on a good offense and one, two and three better be pretty good. Um, I, I just don't see the upside with him. I get that Rodgers trusts him. I get that he understands the playbook. I get that he's local. I get it all, but I would much rather roll the dice on a talent like St. Brown Bagleton or Shepard than roll Jake Krumoreau out there again and expect some type of miracle. I just – I don't and, – and I don't even, honest to God, think the quarterback agrees with me, <laughs> to, to, to be frank. I don't think number 12 would agree with what I'm saying, but um, I I just really believe that, like, I've seen whatever I'm going to see out of Kumaro, and I'd like to see something else out of somebody else.
3: No, and I'm, I'm, I'm in that boat with you as well, especially – I probably wouldn't have been there last year. I maybe was holding out for a little bit, Um, but yeah, we got to see him healthy for 16 games last year. He is absolutely what he is. Is he an NFL caliber wide receiver? Sure. Sure, but but to your point, he's he's not a great special teams player. He's his best attribute is his run blocking ability as an outside receiver. And you just got to hope you can find that in someone else that can offer a few other things as well. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. And I think, you know, if you had to run it down, um, like I said, you got Devonte, you got MVS, you got Lazard. And after that, it's, you know, to to the Packers credit though, as well is that they, they have made the room competitive. You know, you got both the Malik's in there as well um, that have, you know, allegedly done nice things in camp. I can't, tell you for sure but I've heard nice things about those guys um so I think they have some options there and I think they've placed themselves um put you know set themselves up nicely at the tight end position as well um it'll be really interesting Ross I think on Friday we're going to get the answer to these questions and um and I'm genuinely asking you this question because I don't know do the Packers have to release a depth chart before their week one game against Minnesota I, I that's a question I don't know either. I, I really
4: don't. I don't know. We we've gotten to the point too where there's just some different things going on uh, as far as like media restrict. I don't know if restrictions are the right word, but everybody's doing things a little bit differently because of COVID-19. And I think depth charts kind of fall into that. I think a lot falls into that. I think, uh, you know, a lot of folks are, again, um, are, are making a little bit of uh, different guidelines as far as what they will and won't put out and what they will and won't let their beat put out. And that's kind of where we're at on the whole deal.
3: Yeah, and I think any type of gamesmanship that any of these teams think they can get, they're taken. You know, like with depth charts, with the preseason, you pretty much know what it is, so there's really no point in hiding it. Uh, But I suppose if, you know, Matt LaFleur and company think that they can, you know, catch the Vikings, you know, with their pants down and, oh, this guy is starting, um, sure. And, And my whole take on that, you know, I said this off the air to you, that's fine. It doesn't bother me as much as I know it has bothered some people about, you know, we can't get these updates. We can't get starters. If they think they can get a competitive edge, that's fine, but they better win. You know, they, they better actually put that to the test and, and, and be good, you know, being secretive with these, um, personnel packages and stuff. That's all fine and dandy. Um, you're going to look really smart if it works, but if it doesn't work, you're going to look really silly. Um, so in any case, we got football, man, in like two weeks, Packers football. So, um, it's, it's hard to find stuff to complain about. So, you know, just keep appreciating the little things, I, I guess, is all we can do. Um, but, Ross, uh, I'm going to get you out here in under 25 minutes, man, because that's what it says in the intro. So we're going to do that today. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for listening. As always, Ross, thanks for joining me. And, guys, until next time. And, Ross, I think I, I was going to cut it out, but this just dawned on my head. I believe the next time we get together, We'll have a Packers football game to talk about, a Packers win over the Vikings to talk about. So that'll be awesome. And until then, go Packers.